Hi, I'm Kristen Brunius, and this is the Overcomers Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the stories of incredible people overcoming trials and turning them into triumphs. From everyday moms and dads to entrepreneurs to community leaders and beyond, you'll see how everyone has a story of overcoming, and those stories are what connect us all. Let's hop right in. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about a new free 12-week coaching program that I'm starting soon. It's called Stress Less, and it's focused on the foundations of health, accountability, encouragement, and community. Each week, we will meet on Zoom to discover where we're stuck. We'll learn new concepts, we'll encourage each other, and we'll set goals for the week. If you've been looking for a way to have a stress-free season and you need a guide, let's chat. Message me as soon as possible. Space is limited. All right, let's hop on to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to Overcomer Stories of Trial and Triumph. We're so excited you're here. Do me a favor, go ahead, click the subscribe button. That helps to get these stories out to more people. And if you haven't noticed, we're available on all platforms, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. And if you're feeling extra generous, hit that five-star button. That just allows more people to hear what we have going on. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Dr. Victoria last week, but um, she had a pretty amazing story. So if you're tuning in for the first time, go back, listen to that, and there's some other great episodes out there. But in the meantime, today we have a good one. I have my friend Angela here. Angela, welcome. Thank you. So Angela and I have known each other for the past five years. Um, We both live in Northwest Indiana, and uh, she has an amazing story. We do know each other through Soul Naturals, and I'm telling you guys, that's the greatest thing about network marketing is the network part of it. You just really get to meet some of the world's coolest people. So Angela, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I was actually born um, in Northeast Indiana, so um, I grew up with congenital heart disease, which a lot of people didn't know much about. Um, I've had five heart surgeries, um, four of them being before I was two years old. So that was a big struggle in my life when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents know before you were born? Uh, no. So they actually, I was born and my mom being a former RN, she noticed that my lips were a little bit blue. So she had called the doctors back and just said something isn't right. And they had me checked out and uh, ended up, I had to go by ambulance to Riley Children's Hospital. And I had my first open heart surgery and I was less than um, 36 hours old, I believe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't realize. And what would have happened if your mom hadn't noticed that? Uh, I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> well, I, that was kind of a morbid question. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to ask it that No, way. it's okay. Um, but, you know, kind of a story of God's providence that you were born to a mom who knew what to look for, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is a less morbid way of saying that. I'm sorry, that came out the wrong way. Um, so you had your first surgery. So what is the actual name of the disease that you were born with? So my disease is congenital heart disease, but I have um, uh, pulmonary atresia and right hypoplastic heart syndrome. Um, And what happens is, is the right side of my heart is enlarged. And um, I also have tiny pinpoint holes all over my heart. And my, you know, there's a lot of other things like my valves leaking and things like that. So um, I had those first surgeries when I was, um, you know, under, under two 
and then they anticipated more as I went into my teen years, but that didn't happen. Um, and then that kind of slowly went into um, when I was older, living in Chicago, and I would go for like these yearly checkups, and um, that's kind of when they found out a little bit more, and I had to have that fifth open heart surgery. Okay, so the first four were before you were two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what was the prognosis with these surgeries when mm -hmm. you were that little? Was it, it was a pretty intense thing? Yeah. Back in the eighties, they really didn't know, they didn't have uh, a lot of knowledge about it. And so my cardiologist was pretty much like, Hey, uh, no gym class, no sports, no long distance walking. Um, but I remember, you know, wanting to fit in with the other kids mm -hmm. and, having to run the mile in high school. And, you know, I would have gym class first thing in the morning and it'd be less humid and less hot out. But by the time I'd get back, I would, you know, walk or run two laps and people were like, oh, she gets out of this. And, um, you know, but by the time I got back to the locker room, I thought I was going to puke and I just felt awful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think then was probably a sign that I probably needed my heart valve fixed then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you were a teenager, and, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what I was going to ask, like, what did life look like for you? Did, mm -hmm. it, like, did your parents kind of try to keep you in bubble wrap, or, you know, how how was the temperament at home? And you have a sister, correct? I do. Yeah, so I'm the youngest. Uh, my sister is older by two years, and, um, you know, my sister was always very protective, and uh I got sick a lot. Like, I don't remember this at all, but I had a friend tell me when I was in uh, preschool, she goes, yeah, after lunch, after you'd have lunch, you would get sick every day and then you'd have to go home. So I had a hard time keeping in food. Um, also just getting sick a lot growing up. I would say, you know, just anytime it was winter, you know, making my mom making sure I was bundled up um, just because my immune system was so suppressed back then too. Right. What was the reason for that? Um, my heart was having to work a lot harder than the person's next to me. And so when, you know, you're, when you don't have your organs working correctly, um, it really takes, it really takes a lot out of you. So anytime I would get overexerted or overtired, um, you know, my immune system would get kind of plummet, but my lips would turn blue. And so um, I remember my cousin babysitting for us. And, um, you know, I mentioned, like I said, well, I can't pick up my toys, Carrie Ann, because my lips will turn blue. <laughs> And so she, of course, was like, I'm not making her pick up those toys. <laughs> <laughs> so did you use it to your advantage from I, time to time? I must have that back then. I don't remember ever doing that, but because I was very much an overachiever in a, in a sense that like I wanted to be in gym class. I wanted to participate in all those things. Um, so I couldn't play sports. So my sister did. And she was, you know, the varsity basketball, varsity volleyball. And um, I found my path and I was a manager for both of those teams, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I was able to help scrimmage when they needed me, but I definitely missed out on that. And then years later, when I was 28, I did get the okay to exercise within reason. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I would say overachiever is kind of the word I would use to describe you. I mean, overcomer, <laughs> yes. podcast, but overachiever, the Angela I know is the one who's always willing to take the extra step, do the extra thing, put in the extra um, mm -hmm. hour. And so I'm not surprised that as a middle school slash high schooler, you you found a way. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that how you have that personality that even showed back then. So you mentioned feeling a little bit different. You know, do you think the other kids knew? You know, um, you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, I remember, you know, we'd always, my mom would have a talk in the, with our gym teacher and, you know, and I always, 
I hated to be different. And, you know, I think other kids thought I was using that to my advantage when actually I did want to participate, but I was nervous that I might overdo it a little bit. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, I did, I do know, know people that, you know, kind of looked down on me a little bit if I wasn't doing the full mile. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So fast forward, you're 28, you're living in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Had you met Chris yet? I did. So actually, when I first moved there, uh, we met online. <laughs> and um, he had moved there the same time as me, but we met six months later. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we ended up um, getting married. And uh, I would still go yearly for my yearly checkups. And I was going to Northwestern. I found a really good cardiologist there. She knew that eventually I wanted to have kids, but I said, I just want to make sure we're all good to go, that everything's fine with my heart. And so um, she actually, we did like a, um, a heart cath. And then I all, you know, she actually got me in for an MRI when I kind of pushed. I said, I want to make sure there's nothing else missed. And turns out that my um, pulmonary valve was shot. I needed a new one. My tricuspid valve needed repaired. And I also needed... Um, and my atrial septal defect, the hole had reopened probably from growing all those, mm. like during my teen years. And um, and I also needed an ablation procedure, whereas my heart rhythm was kind of off. So I needed all these things done. And at the time she said, well, maybe we can go in experimental. Let me talk with the board of doctors. And so um, I waited patiently for eight months. I was not allowed to work out. And, um, you know, after you're told that you're able to do something and then being told that no, you can't. Right. It's, it's hard. It's just, you know, that I wasn't able to go to the gym and do anything. And I waited for the approval patiently. And then they basically came back and said, no, um, you have too much, you know, we need to be able to go back in there and fix these things. So that was my first open heart surgery as an adult. And, and that, you were 28? And uh, this time I was, I was actually about 30. So okay. yeah, so, so I was 30 the years. approval mm-hmm. to exercise came at 28. Mm-hmm. And then by 30, things mm-hmm. kind of took a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. And then they said, no exercise. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I must, my brain must not have registered that part. Okay. So now or you're... Th- no exercise before the surgery. Before yeah. the mm-hmm. surgery. So now you're yeah. 30 mm-hmm. and you're, you're going in for a pretty extensive open heart surgery. Yeah. And I think that really rocked Chris too, because um, he had never been exposed to any of this. Like his family's very healthy Um, you know, whereas my family, we grew up with me and my mom and nurse has seen a lot of things. And, um, I think when I rolled out of that surgery room, having all those tubes, he was like, whoa. And my mom even had to like, kind of prepare him for it. My surgery was about, I think eight hours long. Um, and before I went in and I want to share this because it's a big turning point in my faith. Um, I'd always believed in God and, um, but I had strayed, you know, I think a lot of people do as their teen years are growing in to your, yourself and, and just learning who you are as a person. But um, as before we went back and before the anesthesiologist gave me um, the good stuff, <laughs> he, I asked him, I said, the doctor's like, are you ready to go? And I said, yep, let's, let's go. I'm ready to rock. And I said, I asked the anesthesiologist, I said, did you give me any of this yet? And he said, no. And I looked at him and it's just like, I felt like this wave of calmness wash mm. over me. And um, I just couldn't believe, I really thought it was, he'd given me the anesthesia and he had <laughs> not at all. And I really know God was there with me then because I was so nervous um, going in. And I just remember being really irritable before the surgery because I was just so nervous because right. because I didn't know what to expect. Right. 
So um, I know he was definitely there with me. Amen. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Super powerful. And the thing is, is your other previous surgeries were when you were two mm -hmm. or before the age of two. And so you couldn't have had any memory. And so here you are, you know, a 30 year old adult, like mm -hmm. that, that's scary. And you're married mm -hmm. and you, you want to have children and you've got this, this, you know, future plans for yourself. And what's that? What's that phrase? If, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you it's still always... had, you still had some. Yeah. And it's always his plan. I think I really relied. My mom would send me scripture here and there and, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, um, for, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord like that just like stuck with me during that time. And I have like a necklace with it. I have a bracelet. Like that's just, that is the verse that has always stuck with me that has gotten me through so many hard times. Right. Right. So you have the surgery, you're 30. Mm -hmm. What was the recovery like? Um, recovery. My mom lived with us for about six weeks to help me, you know, wash my hair and things. Chris actually, um, he had to travel for work, so I needed, I couldn't do a lot. And um, I remember sleeping in the recliner. My cat, she, you know, normally would sleep up by my chest. And unfortunately, I had to keep a pillow there. So she was, you know, on my lap. Aww. She was always with me. And um, she's no longer here with us, but she's a huge part of my story, too. And um, so, yeah, so she, we had to do um, rehab, cardiac rehab. So, I mean, it, this is like March, so it is cold out. It is dreary. It was probably so cold in Chicago that year. We had snow and we lived across from Horner Park. So it had a great track to walk around. So my mom would bundle me up and we'd walk around there until I actually got into doing the classes at Galter Life Center and going there for cardiac rehab. Okay. Mm -hmm. What year <clears throat> was this? Do you remember? This was 2013. 2013. Mm -hmm. Okay. 2013. Was that... That was the year we had all those snowstorms. It could have been. Yeah, 2015 was another one. <laughs> 2013, because that was the year yeah. Deacon was born. Mm -hmm. And um, that's another podcast, because he ended up in the hospital that winter. But mm -hmm. I remember that March, because um, Dave was a carpenter at the time, and they couldn't start working again until the snow melted, and the snow didn't melt that year till mm -hmm. April. Yeah, there was a lot of snow that year. There was a lot of snow that year. So you started to get better. Mm -hmm. What happened next? So I basically, um, Chris and I had wanted to have kids, and we ended up moving back to Indiana so we could be closer to his family as well as mine. And um, we, you know, tried having kids, and I got pregnant pretty quickly. I think seven months it took us, but uh, pregnancy went great. I worked out. Um, I was you know, doing like almost like two workouts. I was doing Zumba followed by a ripped class and <laughs> I felt really good. I wore a heart rate monitor listening to myself. Um, and I developed severe preeclampsia with Brianna. Mm. And so the crazy part was, is I was going back to Northwestern because I was um, high risk and I was planning to deliver there anyways. When I went back for, I think it was like my 30 week appointment, uh, they checked my blood pressure and I go, I noticed I've been gaining some weight. And I had the ultrasound and Chris was going to fly out to Ohio. And I said, and I go, you don't need to come with me. You just come to the ultrasound. No, I'm going to come to the doctor appointment too. So we did the ultrasound. Everything's fine. Went to the doctor appointment. She weighed me and then my blood pressure was through the roof oh, no. and it kept climbing. It was, and then they sent us over to the ER just to get checked out, which meant checked in. Mm -hmm. And my blood pressure was like 200 over something. And so they, I basically sat there, let her cook for about a week 
and um, or 10 days. And Brianna was born at 31 weeks and four days. She was three pounds, one ounce, literally fit from my elbow to my wrist. And she came out breathing on her own, which is great. So it was a... Um, do they do steroids and whatnot before she was yes, born? Yes, we did. Okay. We did our steroids. We got those in. And then it was a planned C-section. And I remember when I went in, the doctor was like waiting. She's like, well, what's the holdup? And it was like a half hour past when we were supposed to be done. They could not get an IV on me. It was awful. By the way, I also gained... Um, 30 pounds of fluid in that one week. 30 pounds? Yes. It was not fun. My legs hurt so bad. I remember my mom massaging my legs for me. And what was crazy is with preeclampsia, you can get kind of puffy in the face. I didn't get that, but I got it everywhere else, like just in my legs. And and so because I have a lot of scar tissue buildup, my veins are shot. Like they would get it and they were using that little x-ray machine and my vein would collapse. <gasps> so, um, so finally, you know, they get a line and then, you know, wheel me in and they did the the C-section. And, um, is this all related to your heart condition? No. So, oh. so this was just like a random thing. And Brianna ended up being in the NICU for about five weeks. And by the t- we brought her home on Good Friday. Oh. Um, so yeah, so that was fun. So we brought her home Good Friday. However, she, before she would get these apneic episodes and it's very common with preemies because it's like their, their brain is not is underdeveloped so they're still mm-hmm. trying to figure it out and they forget to breathe mm-hmm. and so with her she was having so luckily my mom was staying with us at this point and um i went to go upstairs to take a nap my mom was coming down to see brianna and she was in her little bassinet thing and i saw her arm go up and i'm like what's going on and so i i um went back down and she was literally turning blue and on her and stiff as a board and i like pick her up and nothing and I'm like yelling for my mom. And I mean, she knew what to do. She turned her over on her back, hit her on her back, and it took a while to get her breathing. So with that, you know, I called them and they're like, well, you can take her in. And I said, but she's okay now. And I didn't really, I wish I would have taken her in because then they would have given you one of the monitors. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't take her in, they wouldn't give me a monitor later. So Chris starts a new job. So he's having to go for training. And I ended up having to... Um, I said, we're going to sleep in shifts. So between my mom, myself, sometimes my sister-in-law, sometimes my neighbor, um, I covered the shift from, you know, um, I would go to bed at nine, I'd wake up at two and I would be awake from two to six. And then my mom would come down and relieve me, but I'd either have her propped up or I'd have her in my arms watching a good old episode of parenthood. (laughs) And you just like your body, like you just do what you have to do in those times. Um, when, when you're needed, especially as a mom, like you just go into that, um, pure adrenaline, the adrenaline mode. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about later sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, um, (laughs) how that might've started Mm -hmm. a little bit of, uh, of that stuff. And I feel like I can relate, but not relate. My sister had twins that were born eight weeks early. Like the, the world of preemies is not one I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, I did develop some, um, preeclampsia with autumn but I was 39 weeks Mm -hmm. so it was no big deal um just kind of got to have her a week early honestly (laughs) Um, but I remember like all of a sudden my wedding ring didn't fit it like felt like it was Mm -hmm. in my face I look at the pictures and what you were describing like my Mm -hmm. face was huge Mm -hmm. um but that world of preemies is a whole other world Mm -hmm. and it's and what's crazy is that during that time, my mom, 
she knew and she was like, you know, there's a chance that she, you know, things could be different, Angie. And I said, and I said, no, she's going to be fine. I had, I had so much faith. I knew she was going to be fine. Yeah. And there was even a point like we would, we couldn't go up every day because I was still recovering from the C-section and everything. And, um, you know, I remember being in there and pumping and then all of a sudden getting sick in my water bottle. The nurse opens the curtain and is like, are you okay? I said, yeah. I said, maybe it's my blood pressure. So I walk across, go to the maternal fetal medicine. And it turns out I was just like the car ride was taking a lot out of me even. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're doing too much. Like, so, you know, we would always go up on Tuesday, Tuesdays, Chris would go work in the city. He dropped me off in the morning so I could spend all day there and then come back at night. And it was a long day for me because I was there all day, but I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, So. And and for him too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For the husbands who they work all the time, they're trying to provide for the family, but they're also trying to provide for you emotionally Mm -hmm. and to to be there for Brianna too, because he wanted Mm -hmm. to be there. And they don't typically talk about that stuff. And it, but yet it was so important to have that skin touching yeah. um, because it actually helps with their heart. It helps with so many things. And so I would always try to have her on my chest as much as I could during the day. And then at night I would, I said, no, he goes, no, you can hold her. I said, no, you need to. Yeah. I said, because she needs to know you too. And it's, yeah. it's different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very difficult as a mother, but I think sometimes we forget about the dads too. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. So tell us a little bit about Brianna now. Um, Brianna's doing great. So she is, um, she's in third grade and, um, you know, she definitely, she reminds me a little bit of me as in the fact that like, you know, I had to definitely build up her immunity. She had a lot of gut issues which I later learned. Being in the NICU, you know, she was given caffeine and she needed it. A big believer there's a time and place for, you know, the modern medicine and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, but now learning like, you know, the holistic medicine side point too, um, I'm able to help kind of go in and help heal her gut with right. some herbal supplementation. What um, was the reason for the caffeine? Like stimulating? Yes. Helping stimulate, um, you know, keep the heart rate up and, and yeah, because they did, they do forget to breathe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So after Brianna was born, then you go home. Mm-hmm. Are, are are you told no no more kids? You know what what did yeah. what happened after that? Uh, she basically said, you know what, this was a fluke. It had nothing to do with your heart. Um, she said, um, let's go ahead and just um, you know I had to wait you know a year and then we waited really two years by the time we had Layton, so they're two years apart. And um, Layton was supposed to be a normal pregnancy, <laughs> but nothing in my life is normal. So we ended up, um, uh, we were planning to have her early because, because my uterus had only grown to about 31 weeks, um, it was more prone for, rupt- for it to rupture. So we ended up, so, you know, we, I'd see a different maternal fetal medicine doctor each time. And so they would tell me like, oh, we're going to do 36 or 37. I was able to request the same doctor that delivered Brianna. And I mentioned to this, you know, male doctor, I said, you know, you do realize, I said, I go, she's measuring, and as far as her weight, I said, you know, how big do you think she's going to be? He's like, well, she's measuring at this. And I said, okay, we're at 30 weeks, and she's already, like, a lot bigger than Brianna. Mm -hmm. And I just had this thing, like, I want to go 36 weeks, not 37. But, you know, they settled on 37, but trust your own instinct and be an advocate for your your health. So, but I just listened, and they ended up, um, 
I was going to plan for C-section at 36 weeks. What was the reason for the <clears throat> planned C-section? Your heart? Um, for the, the uterus not to rupture. The uterus got mm-hmm. it. And so, um, so that's why they wanted to do that. And by the time I went in, um, uh, or I'll circle back, sorry. Isabel, my cat of about 14 and a half years, she ended up was not good. And she ended up having a seizure um, about two weeks before Leighton was born. And my heart just like was broken. We ended up, she had multiple seizures. We had her in the cat, you know, the animal ER. And then we ended up having to put her down. Mm. So I was super sad. And then about a week before my plan C-section, I was getting ready. You know, Chris is at the store and getting ready for bed. And I went to go to the bathroom and I couldn't go. Mm. And I started having this terrible stomach pain, like a really bad cramp which later I learned was a contraction. Oh. And I didn't know what was happening, and I don't know why I didn't call Chris. You don't think about those things. I text him, and I said, something's not right. You need to get home. And I was blacking out, and later I learned that I was having seizures. My heart was going into AFib, and I was having a nonstop contraction. Oh. And so my uterus had ruptured, and I had no clue. So we get we had called an ambulance. Chris got there. And I mean, literally like he goes, I've never seen this many, like 12 guys in our bedroom oh my gosh. <laughs> and trying to get me down the stairs. And I just said, call the neighbors to watch Brianna. She's sleeping, you know? So they're like, where do you want to go? Well, I went to St. Anthony's because it was the closest hospital and they, I didn't even think about it. They were the only one with the NICU that was really close. And so we went in and they pretty much like kept trying to look at my heart. And I said, no, something's with the baby. And they got their, um, the emergency on call people and they took me by emergency c-section and my um uterus had ruptured and they at the time i mean i was just thinking oh my gosh this is it she later told me that i late and i literally had minutes to survive right. yeah and they were able to get her out she was in the nicu uh, for about two weeks and she How was born weeks? hypoxic so she was born at 36 weeks but she was still considered preemie because at 36 and under they do Um, but being born hypoxic, we don't know, like basically toxins, you know, everywhere in the lack or lack of oxygen too. So, um, what's crazy is, is one of the NICU nurses that was there had actually advocated for this cooling blanket and Layton was the first one to be able to use this cooling blanket there. So the first 72 hours, they put her on this cooling blanket to lower her temperature. And then she had to be slowly warmed back up before I could even touch or hold her. And, um, meanwhile, it was like the worst recovery of my life. Yeah. Um, my bowels wouldn't wake up. I stayed in the hospital for a little bit and then went home, but I couldn't keep anything in me. It was just, my mom's making me broth and, you know, and so I would try to lay on the couch with, be with Brianna during the day at night, go to the NICU, meanwhile, still pump and be there for Layton and everything. Um, but it was a really, really rough recovery. Yeah. And a lot, I of, so. and I will say a lot of uh, PTSD with that. Um, you know, after Isabel having that Isabel in our bedroom, and then me having that happen, and just it, it was a lot of emotions flying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you remember every single bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm trying to think of follow up questions, but I have to <laughs> I have to process all of this. It's a lot. Second. Um, there's there's so many so many different directions that you could go, like. Mm-hmm. The fact that you got to that hospital so quickly and that NICU, that was new because mm-hmm. I had my first... They were renovating it at the time too. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I had my first daughter at a different hospital because that hospital did not have a NICU. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to think that NICU was three years old, if I can um, remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because by the time I had my third, so I had my second there and it was like brand new. So the NICU is new, the cooling blanket is new. You were within minutes. And I know where you live, and I know where the hospital is. It was the longest, bumpiest ride ever. <laughs> yes, yes. But, I mean, the proximity of your mm-hmm. home to the hospital. Mm-hmm. 25 minutes, at least. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, Angela and I are both friends with another podcast guest that we had on, um, Ashley, mm-hmm. from South Dakota. I mean, you yeah. could have been in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. But God yeah. provided, you know, that, that hospital right by. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. And I remember even being in that delivery or in the ER and them telling, like, I remember looking over at a doctor and he's just staring there wide eyed. And I honestly thought he was an angel. I looked over and I'm like, is he an angel? He looks scared, <laughs> but he wasn't doing anything. And then I later asked, I said, who was that guy with the gray hair in like doctor's coat? And they're like, oh, that's a, that's a doctor. He was... I mean, the look on his face, he, it was not good. Yeah. Um, and that stays with you. Yeah, because um, he was probably thinking I got this young mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Praise Jesus for those nurses and mm-hmm. doctors. And I go to church yeah. with quite a few of them mm-hmm. um, who work in that NICU, and, and they're, they're mm-hmm. special people. Yeah. Yeah, we ended up, uh, Leighton was there for two weeks, and we followed up with the neurologist for nine months, making sure her mobility, and we weren't going to know more just until her speaking skills came Mm -hmm. out. And that girl, she can talk, and she is completely 100% normal, we think. (laughs) As normal (laughs) as kids can be, right? Yeah, she definitely gives me a run for my money, um, but she has brought so much joy, and she's, you know, God definitely made me a girl mom for a reason too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now Leighton and Brianna are both in school. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, from what I see of them, they're like little BFFs. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's something special. My two girls are 16 months apart and I mean, they could not be more different, but yeah, mine are very different too. Yes. But they, they, they're really there for each other. And now seeing them go into middle school, it was the cutest thing that happened the other day. Just a little side story of what it looks like to be sisters. Um, one of my girls had already had three warnings of uh, charging her laptop because they have to bring their <laughs> laptops to school yep. charged. And if you don't, you get a detention. Mm-hmm. Well, my other daughter was able to smuggle her laptop to the one who was going to get a detention, and they managed to pass this laptop back Aww. and forth. And uh, I was like, oh, they still do love each other. So, looking out for each other. Yeah, even mm-hmm. even in middle school, they, they still look out for each other. So, mm-hmm. so we've gotten through a heart condition for you, which mm-hmm. is kind of an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. sort of. Yep. I mean, you have yearly checkups mm-hmm. and then two pretty crazy pregnancies mm-hmm. and yeah. so then enter soul naturals mm-hmm. yeah so um i would say you know after Leighton, um you know it was i had always struggled with a form of insomnia and they kind of cast aside as anxiety and wanted to give me prescription drugs and i was like i'm not going down this route Um, So I kind of dabbled with the Tylenol PM for a while and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I ended up 
and I, this is totally not by chance, I ended up at a birthday party at my pastor's house and introduced to this great girl, Brittany, and we just hit it off right away. Um, she ended up doing like a women's Bible study. And so, um, you know, she introduced me to this holistic wellness stuff. And mm-hmm. I was just like, whatever this is for sleep, give it to me. You know, I am so tired all the time. I would go to sleep fine, wake up, and it just was a struggle. And so I ended up, um, you know, trying the things. I fell in love with everything. I felt better. I was getting my sleep back, my energy back. I was able to help kind of heal my gut, especially after everything I'd been through. And, you know, then I kind of found it like, you know, my friend's like, you should do this. You should share it with everybody. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, my kids are little. I don't have time. And at the same time, then I had my cousin who has a major autoimmune issue reach out. And she's like, Angie, I'm sick. I'm so nauseous. I can't get out of bed in the morning. Will this help me? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know enough about this stuff. And... I was like, I think it will, you know, I talked to some people and, and my aunt was coming to me for help with her sleep. And, um, I just honestly found it that God was putting it on my heart to share it with other people because I felt like I was going to be doing this a disservice to other people and keeping it in if I wasn't sharing about it. And so, um, I hopped on, on the train and, um, you know, five years later, I'm still sharing it with my clients. Um, I've turned it into a holistic wellness business where I offer in light therapy, um, you know, chi machine and some other, other, um, different holistic remedies and things like that. So it's really been a blessing. And I think the biggest thing that I look at it is God has blessed me, you know, with my health and with my story and testimony to show others how he has worked in my life. It's not me to talk about my story. It's for him to be glorified in this Absolutely. and that he's, he's the answer if people will look. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because God gives us tools, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like what um, Dr. V shared in the last episode uh, when somebody offered to pay her tuition and she said, no, 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 I'm going to pray that God will provide. <laughs> like we are, maybe God <laughs> is using us to provide. Silly. Uh-huh. I won't go on that tangent, but, um, <laughs> So for you, do you feel like most of your focus is sleep or, you know, tell us more of what you do? You know, it's really interesting because, you know, my niche is sleep and energy mm-hmm. because that's what I came for. Yeah. But I can tell you, I get people with the most complicated things. She does. She I get does. I get people with a lot of different autoimmune issues. Um, and, you know, my mom has a lot of autoimmune issues yeah. and a lot of my family does. So... Um, I, I look at it that God is bringing me those people to help and, you know, I just want to be able to help them. Yeah. And so, I mean, it is a journey. So they're not, nobody's going to be healed overnight and, you know, the herbs do so much, but you also have to do a lot of things on your own, whether it's changing your diet, your water and take your movement and also having that spiritual connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's never just one thing. Mm-hmm. Correct. It never is. So Angela and I joke about that a lot because I pretty much focus. My focus is more mental health than energy. Um, but I joke. I just, uh, you know, I'll help you poop. I'll help yeah. you sleep, you know. But I, yeah. don't, I don't dive as much into more of the complicated stuff. And um, But we, we kind of joke about that because you, you've often said, I'm yeah. kind of complicated and I get that complicated like, people. Always. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, 
Yeah, I just, I think it's awesome. And the way that I've seen you expand it, you know, you went back to school and mm-hmm. now you're starting to diversify with the, the red light therapy and with the machines and mm-hmm. with a lot of that stuff. So I think it's super cool. Um, so if anybody needs help with sleep, we've got your girl here. So, <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you, Angela. Thank you all for hopping on and listening. And I hope that you were inspired today. If you could do a favor, send this to someone who just needs a little bit of a pick-me-up today. Um, Maybe someone who's going through a dark time. Maybe someone who is struggling with an autoimmune. You never know how this might encourage them or um, just help them to keep going and to become an overcomer themselves. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you were inspired and moved today. Since this podcast is self-sponsored, I just want to take a minute and tell you about something that helps me to be an overcomer every single day. It's my favorite product from Soul Naturals called Cinemate. Cinemate is an herbal blend of just five ingredients that gives me all the energy that I need without the crash or shakes, balances my blood sugar, and gives me the clarity to get all the things I need to get done like this podcast. And of course, it's great for building up my immune system and digestive health as well. Do me a favor, go check it out at soulnaturals.com backslash Kristen and use my code Kristen to get $10 off your first order. That's soul as in S-O-L-L-E. Seriously, thanks for listening. It does mean a lot. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and send to a friend who you think would be blessed by it. And I'll see you next week.